it is wonderful to be able to celebrate the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can anybody testify this morning to the fact that he's my God, he's my Savior, my King, my Deliverer, amen. I pray that you can this morning. Let me take a moment and welcome those that's joining us by way of live stream this morning. May the Lord richly bless you. We're so thankful that you're uh, joining with us. Can we make our own light on its welcome this morning as well? <laughs> Many of them are faithfully tuning in from all over our nation, and uh, we're so thankful for that, and, uh, and we, uh, we're honored to have you with us this morning. Uh, before I get into the Word this morning, uh, we're going to have uh, Brother Larry Plemons. He's going to lay the table out for me today. And uh, he's going to take a few moments and just exhort. But as he's coming, those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time. And uh, we're just going to have an open heart today. And we're going to continue our series this morning uh, in just a few moments. And we're going to talk to you about the life of Joshua. Uh, but as uh, I talked to Brother Larry uh, this week, and he's like, the Lord is putting some things in my heart I've been working on. So we want him to exhort this morning and share his heart with you for a few moments. Bless you, brother. I appreciate the man of God of this house. He, he trusts me to present a word today. This sacred desk is something that's been preached at a lot. I'm not worthy, but Jesus makes me worthy. Let's put it that way. I've been in travail. This nation needs help. As a man of God, I'm, it's, it's my duty to pray for this nation, to pray for you. Keaton, it's, it's, it's the second watch sometimes now and the third watch also. I'm, I've, got, I've got to pray for you, your wife, your child, Ezekiel Paul now. Pray for Mary Lou, Geneva, May May. They're my spiritual mothers. I pray for this youth. This old saint, he's getting tired, but I'm not done. William, when I passed Westfield, I've called you before. That's where God delivered you from, Bunker Hill. I know that he delivered you. Just preach the gospel. Big John, you're a man of God. Kevin, you're a man of God. And God's going to ask this question. He asked it to me and he wore me out with it. Where art thou? He's speaking to Adam, the man, his creation. I've got notes here, but I doubt I even use them. I'm usually not emotional. But he put this in me Wednesday night. My wife, she was coughing. She was in bad shape. And we went to Tommy Bates' conference. I'm just going to lay it out a little bit here. I was worried about her. Seriously, I mean, she was in bad shape. I said, honey, let's just go home. No, she's got bulldog tenacity. That woman is a strong woman. She's, a, she's an intercessor. She'll pray. You'll see her praying sometimes, and some people don't understand her, but I do. I know where she, what she's been through and what she's come, going to do. She will pray for you. She, your mom's text her, you need to pray for Madison. But here's, here's what God's given me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. Lord, 
I want to be a light for you wherever I'm at. Let them not look at this vessel, but let let them know that you live in me, Father. Guide me and lead me through this, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. Father, I give you praise in Jesus' name. And the Lord God called unto him Adam and said unto the man, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice. That's, he acknowledged God. Okay, he acknowledged him. He was there. And he also said, he said, I heard the voice, and I was afraid. <laughs> That's guilt right there. He, he was afraid. Guilt was already come into him. I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. That's, a, that's just admitting that he had sinned. He, he, he's already, that's the effect of sin. Then he says, and I was naked and I hid myself. Please don't hide from God. Don't hide from him. It's the result of guilt. Guilt will put you in a place. The enemy will put you in a place to where oh, they ain't never going to forgive me. Yes, he will. God forgives you. People will forgive you. We have got to get back to, to the basics. God told me, I need intercessors. I know you ladies, you're intercessors. Where art thou? Where art thou? He's calling out to his, his creation. That's me. I'm part of the creation. You're part of the creation, Garrett. Ethan, you're part of the creation. He wants us to be about his business. This nation needs help, people. I'm just telling you right now, this nation is in a, in a battle. It's the evil is taking over. But greater is he that is in this, in this, this place right here, this church. This is a body. Greater is he that's in you than he is in this world. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. William, we can do it. Brian, we can do it. I know you're a reader of the Word. You're a prayer of the Word. Blanche, you can do it. Sharon, you can do it. We have got to get back to where we are. This, this altar is not a place of weakness. It is a place of prayer and fasting or whatever you have to got to do. You have got to get back up here. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be plain and blunt. We need this right here. People, this nation's in trouble. We have got to get back to what the Word says. Where are the intercessors? Where are the prayer warriors? Where's the body of Christ? We're praying for the lost. Are we really praying for the lost? They sing it in the song. It's just, it's, you guys wore me out with the worship today. That just hit all over what I was we're praying for. Are we really praying for the lost? Where's our family? I've got family members that are lost. They need, I have to start praying more earnestly for them. Just, Lord, thank you for this food. It don't work. That don't work anymore. That stuff is just out the door. It's okay to thank God for your food. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm not downing that a bit. What I'm trying to tell you, we got to get this nation back on its, on its course for the body of Christ. The, the, the church is in revival. I'm revived. I went to a revival 12, 12 meetings. I'm stirred up, okay? Yes. I'm stirred up, bro. You don't see me up here. Last time I was up here, which, which road are you on? You know, I'm on a road, man. I'm a, I'm a truck driver, okay? I'm a, let me rephrase. I'm a professional truck driver. I've seen stuff, okay? I know how to get out of situations. But, but right now, we've got to get out of this situation that this nation's in.
okay? Now, that's what I'm telling you. I love every one of you. I really do. We have got to get back. Quit being afraid, patty-caking and offending somebody. My God. You know, this, this Bible will offend the people that don't believe in it. But the people that, it, that we do believe, this is our encouragement. We have got to get back to this thing and study it and show ourselves approved. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Pastor, I'm pretty much done. I just want to stir them up a little bit. Hopefully, get back to what we used to do, people, and it's pray. Yes. Pray, 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 pray. Sister Terry, you got a grandbaby now. <laughs> Love them babies. I'm the candy man. You know, I'm going to spoil that in one of these days. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this, in this body of Christ. And I appreciate this man of God that's fixing to get up here and preach the word to us because he stirs me up. I know that. Amen. And God Thank bless you. Thank you, Brother Larry. I'm so thankful this morning that God is speaking to the hearts of men and women. Take my monitor down just a little bit, please. I'm roaring up here. And uh, we are so thankful that God is stirring men and women uh, in this season because our nation does need to cry out to God. Amen. And today I'm believing and trusting uh, that men and women will continue to call out to the Lord on behalf of our nation because I firmly believe that God is not done uh, with our nation uh, at this time. I know that evil is everywhere. Uh, I know there's lots of things that's taking place, uh, but can I tell you the church is still here and therefore that means uh, the authority of God, the power of God is still here and uh, we are so thankful uh, that it is not over, but that there is a promise in the word of the Lord that he is coming back for a glorious church, a bride without a spot and without a blemish. And that means this, we're getting ready to get more beautiful than we've ever been. Amen. So some of you, even though you may have a few age spots, don't worry about them. You're getting ready to get more beautiful than you've ever been. Amen. Can somebody give God praise for that this morning? Amen. Can you give me just a little bit monitor? I didn't say take it all away. May not bother you all, but it bothers me. There you go. I, I'm good now. That, that way, that means I won't have to scream. I can save my voice and scream at the guys that I'm in competition with later, playing some kind of game or something, you know. So, uh, but if you have your Bibles this morning, Exodus chapter number 33. Exodus chapter number 33. So good to have all of you in the house with us this morning. Uh, good to have RJ and Ashley with us this morning, as well as Austin and Kyla. And I know we got several out today that uh, I know it's a holiday weekend, and uh, we won't shame them too bad when we see them next week, uh, those that are not here today, but it's okay. We understand that as people getting into the vacation season, and uh, how many knows we do need times of rest, and uh, we, we, we encourage people to do that. Uh, but if you'll stand for the reading of the word this morning, I'm just going to dive right in. Uh, I've got a lot of ground to cover, and uh, as we dive in this morning, I'm going to deal with today on the value of a thirsty heart, the value of a thirsty heart. And we're going to talk to you today about learning the process as well as talking about the need uh, for having a worship encounter. And we're going to continue to look at Moses and Joshua as we're in this uh, series we're dealing with uh, preparing to take the lead. And can I tell you, when you look around this auditorium this morning, 
uh, I will tell you this, uh, this is not the norm in many places. Uh, and I don't say that bragging, but maybe I do brag a little bit because uh, you all are pretty awesome people. But what's, what's so unique about this body of people is we have elderly, we have middle age, but we have a lot of young adults and teenagers and, uh, and children. And that is not the norm. And so I don't take that for granted. So I believe that while the elderly in here, we're still leading and we're still developing and we still have things to do. We never arrive. But at the same time, there is a group of younger adults in this room that is getting ready to take this thing and run with it. And uh, that's exciting. And uh, we need to understand how important it is that we invest in them and give them the tools and the understanding, the knowledge. And that's one reason why I really feel like the Lord put me into this uh, series of teaching for uh, these last few weeks. And, uh, and uh, then we'll, we'll just see where we go from here. But this morning, I want to take us to Exodus chapter number 33, beginning in verse number one. We'll read verse number one through verse number three, and then be, jump down to verse number seven. And we'll read a little further. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perjusites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and any other sites you want to talk about this morning. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Verse number seven. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it come to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it come to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all of the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it come to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle that the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshiped, every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See that thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, and show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee. And I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up from here. And verse number 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people today. 
Lord, I pray that for the next few moments that you would anoint this vessel of clay to teach and to preach your word. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As we jump into this this morning, I am not going to reteach or re-preach uh, those things that I have the last three weeks, but I will bring you up to speed very quickly. Let us never forget Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse number 28, where this series began, and that is this, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shall see. In each of the lessons, or at least of the messages that we have preached the last three weeks, we find that Moses was instrumental and been a tool of to teaching Joshua what it was going to require for him to become the leader of a nation and to take the people into the place of promise. The first thing that we dealt with was the value of intercession. We know that Joshua learned the lesson well of what value a well-worn knee possesses. Much like Brother Larry was saying, this altar, and I've said it often, these altars are not a place of weakness, but they are a place of strength. But we must know how to use them correctly. And that's why James tells us that we should never ask amiss, but we should be specific in our times of prayer. We find that also that in this time of intercession that uh, Joshua learned so much was in a time of war. It was a time of conflict with the Amalekites. And while he was swinging the sword, he found himself understanding that his talent, his ability, his intellect was not enough to bring victory. But it was only when Moses was on top of the mountain with his hands raised and his palms lifted and intercession was taking place that he was able to be victorious. Can I tell you this morning, without intercession, we are defeated. Without being in tune with God, without knowing his plan and his will for our life, we will never walk in continuous victory. We find that after that, there was the meeting on the mountain where the 70 elders and Aaron and Hur and Joshua was invited to come along. And we find that Joshua, he learned the value of a locked arm and understanding that he, as a potential leader, could never do it by himself. Can I tell you? We accomplish more together than we ever will by ourselves. The word of the Lord will tell you throughout many different events that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000. Can I tell you, we're fighting more than one evil today. And therefore, we may understand what one evil is, but there is multiple enemies that we're dealing with. And therefore, we need each other in order to effectively do what God has called us to do. Then we find that we transitioned into understanding that it is important for us to have a trained ear, the value of a trained ear. Can I tell you, it's one thing to hear the noise, but it's another thing to distinguish what the noise is. Uh, Joshua heard the noise from the mountaintop, but he thought it was a time of war. He failed to understand that the people had fallen into a place of sin. And therefore Moses taught him, and he said, listen, you have to have an ear to hear. 
Can I tell you, we need to have an ear to hear, not what man is saying, uh, but we need to hear the heart of man. Uh, and we need to know what, if it's uh, coming from a place of purity or, or is it coming from a place of deception. Uh, but also we have to have an ear to hear the heart of God. And can I tell you that these three things that we dealt with over the last few weeks, uh, they were all positioning Joshua to become the leader that God had ordained for him to be. But every one of these was lessons, uh, external, uh, simply saying this really, how it was a how-to course, so to speak, uh, of leadership for Joshua to observe. Uh, but even after learning the value of a worn knee of intercession and understanding the importance of having a locked arm uh, with others and understanding uh, that he needed to have an ear to hear, he still was not qualified uh, to become the leader of Israel because all of these things had to do with external things, but there was still some things internally that had to be dealt with. And can I tell you this morning, uh, it doesn't matter how well or how polished we may think we are. There are some things that we have to deal with inwardly if we are going to be that which God has called us to be. And we find that we, we're going to deal with a few of them, but today we're going to deal with one specific, and that is this. Uh, Joshua had to learn uh, how to quench the internal thirst uh, for God. He had to learn uh, the value of experiencing and having an encounter with God. Can I tell you, I cannot overstate this morning how important it is uh, that you and I uh, have an encounter with God. Uh, and when I think about an encounter, I'm not talking about just a happenstance visit, uh, but I think we have to get to a place where we understand the importance of having a habitation with him. Uh, because where he is, uh, there is joy. Uh, where he is, there is peace, there is rest. Uh, and this morning, you and I, need to understand that if we are going to really get to the place where we are true leaders in the kingdom, we are going to have to realize we're going to have to be men and women that are intimate in worship with him. Can I say this this morning? Nothing can substitute the intimate communion with God in worship encounters. You and I today, if we are ever going to really be leaders... If we're going to lead this generation into the presence of God, if we're ever going to take this nation back to a place that it formerly was, then we're going to have to understand it is done through having encounters of worship. Deep within the heart of every man is the desire to commune with God, whether they realize it or not. Notice with me, before sin, Adam and Eve knew the voice of their creator. They had experienced his gentle touch, and they had felt the warmth of his presence. Larry touched on it this morning. He gave you Genesis 3, verse number 9. But let me give you the verse prior to that, verse number 8. It says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. See, they was familiar. They had been in fellowship. They had been communing with him. But after the fall of man, please notice, there was no more intimate connection like they had known. 
And therefore, there began to be a longing for it. And generations have passed. Many generations have passed since Adam and Eve in the garden. Yet the need to experience intimacy with God still remains. In an effort to mask the pain of the emptiness, man has tried multiple things through the years. Some men accumulate things, try to occupy themselves with all sorts of stuff and to distract their need of God. Others mask this emptiness with mind-numbing drugs or fill their lives with all sorts of amusements of all sorts. And they begin to measure life by what they accumulate of material possessions and experiences other than understanding that what they really need is fellowship with the Lord. More than possessions, more than a string of events, man knows there's something more. Isn't it ironic that even in places where the gospel has yet to be preached, the people there know that there's something after life and that there's a higher power of some sort. I want to speak to this emptiness before I really get into Joshua this morning. In 1967, Richard Adams was driving down the road with his eight-year-old and his 10-year-old child, and he begins to give them this fairy tale story. He later put it in the form of a book in the year 1969, and it's become a children's classic, so they tell me. I never read it to my kids. I never had heard of it until I started diving in and researching. But in 1969, he wrote this book, and it was called Watership Down. Now, they tell me that this is an amazing story, but it is given to us from a perspective of rabbits. And this story basically deals with a group of rabbits that have decided that they are no longer going to exist as they currently are, and therefore they go and they are going to go on this journey and they are going to develop their own institute of religion, government, economics, and education, and their own family. They're going to do their own thing in a new place. But something happens in this story. On this journey, all of a sudden, they cross this farm and they come across a cage of beautiful, fat rabbits. And he saw that there was no work involved, but these beautiful rabbits in this cage was sitting there and they was flush and they was fat and they was eating and they said, this is quite interesting. So they burrowed under the loose fence and thought, we'll just come in here and stay for a little while. And they said, where is all of this food coming from? And they said, it's really quite amazing. The humans bring us these beautiful and delicious pellets every day. And we can eat as many as we want. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to hunt for it. And we just eat and we just have it made. And this wise rabbit that was leading this group after stayed there for a little while, he was like, something just ain't right. He said, this is just too good to be true. It just, something doesn't add up to this. And one morning his suspicions was validated because the biggest and the most beautiful 
rabbit was missing. And he said, where's the most beautiful, fattest rabbit? And they said, we don't know. He couldn't take it. He wasn't willing to let the story go. So he burrows his way out of this little fenced area and comes around the corner of the barn and he sees to his horror the pelt of the rabbit on the side of the barn. He runs back to the cage and begins to scream and said, we have to get out of here. Our lives are in danger. They're killing bunnies. What a child's story, right? Those that had been traveling with him, they quickly organized themselves ready to exit, but the others, they remained cautious and comfortable. And He said, don't you understand that you're in a place of danger? And they said, well, that's how you see it. We're comfortable here. Notice, they chose to stay because they were comfortable. But this Moses-like bunny, <coughs> after calling out and saying they're killing bunnies, understood that he could not stay. And he said, we must leave. I say that to say this, while the rest of the crowd is saying, well, we know that's how you see it. And we also know that from time to time, a bunny goes missing, but yet in the balance, it's a good life here that we have. And we just sit here and we eat our pellets and we don't have to worry about all the worries that you do. And we have a wonderful, delicious bowl of pellets. You say, that's really an odd story to tell, preacher. But what an analogy of fallen man with the emptiness in his heart. With no way this morning of truly confronting himself in his distance from his God. And can I tell you, many men and women throughout generations have simply ignored the reality of physical death and just continues to eat their pellets. You say, how do you validate that statement? Can I tell you, I've seen many men and women walk by the coffin of dear friends and family in a state of mourning, just to walk from the cemetery and to find their drug of choice or their bottle to numb their senses. They just go back to their bowl of pellets. Can I tell you what they're really longing for is an encounter with God. But here's the travesty of our day. We have many men and women that have knelt at an altar of prayer. They have surrendered their life to the Lord, but yet they're still empty. And they're still eating the pellets of the world. And they're still wondering why they can't get to a place of fulfillment. Notice with me, Joshua had to learn something. Even though he had been taught, you got to be an in intercession. You got to have locked arms. And you also have to have an ear to hear. But he said, of any of that, Joshua, you got to learn 
that just knowing God is not enough. Joshua had to be taught that interceding before God on behalf of others was not enough. He had to understand that there was a hole in his heart that could only be filled by times of personal and private worship. Can I tell you, maybe the thing that you're looking for, you are never going to experience it unless you come to a place where you understand the value of private worship. The psalmist said this in Psalms 42 in verse number one, as the deer painteth after the water, so painteth my soul after thee, O God. I ask you this morning, how much are you desiring to be in his presence? You see, if we're ever going to lead a generation into his presence, we are going to have to remain in his presence. We've got a desire to be there. Can I tell you, we, have, we, we are teaching. We've had this little precious ball of joy for 10 months. He's like awesome, by the way. But now he cannot hear the name of Jesus without not automatically lifting his hand. Because... I instill in him nearly every day that I have him that you have to worship Jesus. And we talk about other things and we make sure that he understands that papaws are the best and all of those things. But above all of that is we teach him that you have to give Jesus worship and praise. You say, why is that? It's because, can I tell you, in order for him to be the man of God and the leader in his generation that I believe God is calling him to be, uh, even while he was in the womb of his mother, uh, is he's got to understand, uh, I got to have a worship encounter. Uh, I can't just go to church on Sunday morning. Uh, I can't just sing a song, uh, but I got to understand what my papa says. Uh, I got to worship Jesus uh, because Jesus is everything. Everything. Uh, and Joshua had to learn it. Uh, and notice, uh, you and I today got to teach a generation. Uh, yes, uh, come to church. That's wonderful. Uh, yes, give your tithe and offering. Uh, yes, volunteer uh, and be part of the local body. Uh, but at the same time, uh, can I tell you, uh, that's not enough. Uh, notice, uh, in this story that we read today, uh, we find that God is angry with the children of Israel. Uh, if you read verse th- chapter 32, he says, listen, uh, you all are a stiff-necked people. Uh, I'm not traveling with you anymore uh, because you're all crazy is what he's saying in modern-day language. Uh, he simply, I've delivered you. I brought you across the Red Sea. Uh, I've got a cloud over your head so you don't get sunburnt during the day. I keep you warm at night. Uh, I let water come from a rock. Uh, listen, I give you all these things and then you go uh, and you build a golden calf. Uh, go back to idol worship when the man of God's up in the mountain in my presence. Uh, He said, listen, I ain't messing with you no more. I'll just destroy you. Uh, And he would have if it hadn't been for Moses interceding. Uh, But notice Moses, uh, he comes and he goes along and he's in conversation. The Lord said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to let them have the promise, uh, but I'm not going with them. I'll send an angel. Now listen, Moses comes along and says, God, I don't want to go if you're not going. And he said, you're telling me you're going to send an angel, but you're not even telling me which angel's going with us. He said, I'm not even interested in moving from this place right now without your presence. But the Lord said, listen, I don't want to be around those people. He said, they all messed up. He said, I'm not coming to them. They're going to have to come to me from now on. So he instructed Moses to take the tabernacle of the congregation and put it outside the camp. 
And we read together, it says, now if somebody wants to come and worship me, they're more than welcome to get in my presence. He did not put limitations on them, but he said, you got to come out from where you are and you have to come to where I am. And we find that when they did that, they could go and worship the Lord outside the camp. But something happened differently when Moses went to worship. Moses would get up. Now get this, get a picture of this. Moses would get up out of his tent began to walk out of the camp and everybody knew where he was going. He's going to the tabernacle and they would stand in the doorway of their tent and they would watch. And it wasn't so much that they was watching Moses, I don't believe, but it was, they was watching what was transpiring when the man of God began to move towards the presence of God. Because every time Moses would take a step, the cloud would start getting lower. He would walk, the cloud would come lower. And when he got to the tabernacle, the cloud would come down and stand at the door and there would be a face-to-face meeting, state of worship. Now notice, you say, that's wonderful. But nobody talks about it too much, but when you really read what we read, you will find that there was a young man by the name of Joshua that we've talked about for the last three weeks. He wasn't in the camp. But when God instructed Moses to take the tabernacle outside of the camp and put it out by itself, he said, by the way, you've got to take Joshua and got to take him out of the camp and you've got to put him in the tabernacle and he stayed there. He said, I've got to teach that boy something if he's going to be a leader. Now Moses had to come in and out because, listen, these crazy people, they couldn't be left unattended. They'd build something else. And they needed to see their leader. But Joshua wasn't their leader yet. He was a leader in making. And the Lord said, he's going to be the one coming in and out in front of them in the future. But right now, we've taught him the value of intercession. We've taught him about having locked arms. And we've taught, we've taught him about hearing. But he's got to learn that he's got to have me. And therefore, when he went into the tabernacle, he did not come out and notice God began to mold his heart in this season of his life and began to teach him the value of having a thirsty heart. Because notice what Joshua heard. Joshua heard the conversation of God and Moses. And we got a glimpse of this conversation. But we don't know all of the conversation. But this is one thing that he did see. He saw the man that was meant to him began to cry out. He wasn't asking for a new pair of sandals. He wasn't asking for a new coat. He wasn't asking for a new camel. No, he was sitting there face to face with the cloud hovering the tabernacle, standing at the door, and this is what he heard the man of God saying. Show me your glory. It began to resonate in his heart. I want to ask you this morning, What does the world hear when we make a petition to God? Are they hearing, I need this and I need that, I need this and I need that, God do this, God do that, or are they hearing, you and I say, show me your glory. Joshua, in this story, begins to understand that, listen, 
I can intercede. I can lock arms with the 70 elders. I, I, I can hear what the heart of the people are, but I need more than any of that. I've got to have a worship encounter. Notice, you begin to walk through this story, and I'm hurrying this morning. Moses entered in each day, but Joshua did not depart from this tabernacle. Wonder what happened. I wonder what Joshua did on those evenings after Moses left and he found himself in the residue of the presence of God and the glory of God. I wonder if he felt like he could just let his mind wander and he could dwell in the fields of lust and envy and greed. Or I wonder if he understood the presence of God was so close and so real that he had to make his mind stay diligently stayed upon the Lord in such a way where he had to attend to every thought and he had to get to a place where he was like, God, if you can talk to Moses that way, could you, could you talk to me that way? You see, his heart began to change. He no longer was concerned about what was going on in the camp, but he was concerned about how can I get to that level where he comes and speaks face to face with me. Listen, I'm thankful for all of the great men and women of God that came before us and that has walked with the power and the anointing of God. But can I tell you, there's just mere men and women just like you and I. But they made a decision and their decision was to leave the camp and to go to the tabernacle of the congregation. And they decided to get to a place where they just began to cry out, God, show me your glory. And God began to teach them and mold them and make them. Please hear me. The sense of God's very real presence in the room with us is essential to begin to walk and to act and to think uprightly. If you have stinking thinking, it's probably because you're not spending enough time in his presence. Because the word of the Lord says that in his presence there is fullness of joy. Listen, when you're full of joy, you're not full of stinking thinking. You're not full of negativity. You're not full of woe is me. You're not full of, oh, how's this going to happen? Listen, you just begin to know that God is. Can I tell you, I don't understand everything. I just know God is. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I just know God is. Listen, I know this morning that even though the world is going crazy, God's still God. And therefore, because he's still God, I know this. I can stand in confidence. Uh, I don't have to be full of worry and anxiety, but I can stand here and tell you today that what I need to know uh, is simply this, uh, that I can put my faith and trust in God. And Joshua had to learn as a young man, Joshua, if you're going to take this assignment and if you're going to be the man that God's called you to be, then you have to become one that understands the value of being in his presence. Young and elderly alike this morning, please hear me. A visitation of his presence is not enough. We have to begin to create a place of habitation for him. Anybody remember the story in Old Testament scripture where the woman says, I perceive that this is a man of God that comes by our way, began to speak to her husband. Said, could we just build 
him a chamber on the wall. I don't want him just to stop by and sit at our dinner table for an hour or two. But I, I would like for us to build a place of habitation. That way, when he comes this way, if he wants to stay for a day or if he wants to stay for 30 days, he has a place. We'll, we'll put a bed in there. We'll put a table there. We'll put a candle there. We'll, we'll make this a place of habitation for him. She understood the value of having the presence of God in her life. Can I tell you this morning, there's a lot of things we think we need that we don't need. There's a lot of things we desire to have, and it's not wrong to desire them. But can I tell you, if we begin to desire them more than the presence of God, then our desire is wrong. You and I today have got to get back if we are going to touch this nation. And if we're going to reach this generation... We're going to have to, yes, have bowed knees of intercession. Yes, we're going to have to learn to lock arms. And yes, we're going to have to have ears to hear. But we have to come back to a place where we understand the value of having a thirsty heart for God. And Joshua had to learn it. And that's what he began to be taught in Exodus chapter 33. Joshua, stay in his presence. You know how you're going to have a wonderful week this week? It's by making the decision today just to stay in his presence all week long. No matter what kind of bad report you get, no matter what unexpected thing happens, no matter what breaks, no, no matter if the dryer does catch on fire and then the washing machine catches on fire and then the, 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 the stove catches on fire, no, no matter what all that stuff happens, listen, don't matter. What matters is you make a decision, I'm going to stay in his presence. And how do, I, how do I do that? The psalmist tells us very clearly in Psalms 100. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with, with singing. Know ye that the Lord is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. And bless his name. Why do we want to do that? It's because for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generation. Can I tell you, I don't care about this cancel culture. They cannot cancel the truth. The truth is everlasting. And the truth is that God loves you. That God's made a way for you. That God is still healing, still delivering, still setting free, still making a way in the wilderness, still putting rivers in the desert. Uh, notice with me the value of a thirsty heart. The word of the Lord is very clear. He says, if you thirst, I will quench it. So if there's a longing in your life, why would you go to anything else when you already have one that has the greatest cup of water? extended to you and he says come unto me and I will give you rest as they come to the music this morning Joshua was been groomed to become a leader over Israel but in order for him to be that leader he had to come to a place he had to come to a place 
where he understood the value of a worship encounter. Can I tell you some of the greatest things that I've ever experienced? Some of the greatest moves of God that I've ever experienced has not been in a crowd of people. Even though we've had some wonderful services in this house and many other houses, some of the most powerful moments has been in times of private praise and worship. I will never forget the story of John Kilpatrick telling as a very young boy walking home telling his mom, Mama, I've been called to preach. A couple days went by and then the old pastor come knocking on her door. And he said, I heard that little John believes that he's called to preach. I believe he was around 10 years old at this time. She said, yes. He said, I'd like to have permission. I'd like to have permission to spend time with your boy. Because if he's ever going to be a man of God, if he's ever going to preach the gospel in the way that he, he needs to understand the value of prayer. So every evening, every evening, a 10-year-old boy was taken with the pastor and they went to the church. No lights, no fanfare. But he said, John, if you're going to be a minister of the gospel, you've got to learn how to pray. What he was simply saying is this. You've got to learn how to have a worship encounter. Some nights, the men, when they was changing shifts, second and third shift, they would come and join them for prayer. But most nights, it was just John and the pastor. John tells the story that there was a place at the very back on the left-hand side, the old preacher would find himself laying face down, just wailing and calling out and crying to the Lord. And John would say that he'd spend hours sitting, listening, been taught the value of a worship encounter. But one particular night, some men had gathered from the mine and they was getting ready to change shifts. And they had been in a time of prayer and the old preacher had been in his spot praying. Two big iron doors in the back of the church, big doors. Said all of a sudden, there was like a wind and the doors slammed shut. The locks came down and they said they looked back, they turned and looked and they said there was an angel on this side and an angel on that side. Said they looked massive. And he said, pretty much that's about all of them remember because then when they came to themselves, the sun was rising the next morning and was shining through the windows of that old church because they had laid all night in the presence of God because they had an encounter. I just wonder, I'd like to ask Joshua this, if he's going to have a memory of what he experienced when he was on it. I just wonder how many times 
he just laid in the presence of God after Moses left in the tabernacle. Oh, I understand that he saw from a distance up in the mountain the glory and the fire. But all that face-to-face meeting that he heard day after day after day. How it must have penetrated his heart. Can I tell you today, we've got a generation that's heard a whole lot of stories of how wonderful it used to be. But yet they've never really tasted of his goodness, of his power, and of his authority. Can I tell you today, the same God that Smith Wigglesworth knew when he walked in and picked up a dead man and threw him against the wall and said, live, and he began to live, is the same God you're serving today? He hasn't changed. But you and I today have got to get back to where we have a generation that begins to thirst again. So no matter what age you are this morning, But you'd say this, preacher, I want to be one that brings change to my nation. I want to be one that brings change to my family. I want to be one that brings change to the local church. I want to be one that's instrumental in bringing the wind of revival back to this land. Yes, you got to have a worn knee of intercession. Yes, you got to lock arms with one another and unity's got to be present. And yes, you got to have an ear to hear the heart of people and the heart of God. But more importantly, you also have to begin to thirst for him. I must ask this question, and please do not be offended by it. Are you thirsting the good things that comes with him, or are you thirsting him? There's a difference. I'm thankful for all of his blessings. Oh, he's been good to me. Oh, he's been good to my family. And I'm thankful for all of those things. But at this stage in my life, oh, I'm thirsty for him more so than ever. Because I know that in his presence is revelation. In his presence is wisdom. In his presence is direction. In his presence is more than enough. Can I tell you, young preacher? Can I tell you, young minister? Can I tell you, developing saint of God, that right now, in the midst of everything, you got to clear a calendar. you got to change the schedule. If it means you got to get up at 4 a.m. or stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning, whatever you got to do, you got to do. But you got to get thirsty for his presence because, listen, Joshua couldn't take them to the promise unless he understood the value of a worship encounter. There was a promise of a land of milk and honey they had to go to. But I got to remind you of a promise that we was given by the prophet Joel. And it began to be developed at the day of Pentecost when Peter began to stand and preach. But we are not in the last days. We're in the latter moments of the last days. And therefore, we are in a time where there's an acceleration. And there is a promise on this generation that is they shall experience the power and the anointing of God. But we can't take them there until we understand the value of a worship encounter. So I have to ask you, as we stand all over this building this morning, 
What are you thirsting for this morning? About Friday night, for the last several weeks, I don't know what's wrong with my wife other than she's just an amazing, beautiful lady that I get to call my wife. But on Fridays, Friday afternoons, the conversation usually begins like this. You need to go to Walmart or you need to go to the store. What do you need from the store? I need some hot tamales. That's her thing. I don't know. And get the big bag. Because Saturday is her cheat day. So before Saturday ever gets here, her mind is already there. I'm going to eat me a bag of three pounds of hot tamales. I'm just saying. But it's not even Saturday. Okay? And she's already thirsty for it. Why is she thirsty for it? Because she's tasted and she's seen that they are good. All right? Maybe it's a bad analogy this morning. I don't know. But can I tell you, the value of a thirsty heart makes you do something. It makes you go get it. I left the campground last night at 10 o'clock, 10.15 I think it was. And she said, I haven't had no hot tamales. So I had to go to the store before I come home. We didn't even get all the way in the car. She was opening the bag and you want some? She was thirsty for them. Can I tell you something? What would happen if we would begin to get thirsty for the miracle working power of God? The power of the Holy Ghost to reside in our lives, in our families, in our churches in such a way that we would say, I'm not going to let anything deter me. A worn out, tired body isn't even going to keep me from not going into Walmart and getting my bag of tamales, man. Because I got to have them. Listen, I know the flesh don't feel like praying. I know it sure don't feel like fasting. And I know all this stuff's going on in your life. But at the same time, I know that if I get into his presence, everything changes. The unexpected begins to happen. You see, when I'm in his presence, I can begin to take authority. Please indulge me for a moment. I can begin to take authority and demonic things have to be removed. Healing virtue begins to flow. Notice with me, the woman with the issue of blood, when she got in his presence, she didn't see his face. She just touched the hem of his garment. Uh, and she got a little taste of heaven. And what man could not do, God did in a moment. Can I tell you, there's some things that God wants to do in a moment in this generation. There's some things in your life God wants to do in a moment. But you got to learn what Joshua learned. You got to go beyond and you got to be willing. Listen, I'm sure there's days that maybe Joshua heard the laughter in the camp, the joy in the camp, but his assignment was you got to stay in the tabernacle because God's teaching you something. You don't need to be there right now. I know sometimes you feel excluded, young people. I know sometimes you feel like you don't fit in. Uh, but listen, God's got you there because you're going to be a leader to lead them to a place of promise. Yeah. 
if it don't just happen. I was called this week, Pastor. I'm elderly. I'm stricken in body. I, I don't know what we're going to do. I, we're, we're not a large church, but got wonderful people, but I can't do it anymore. But, but do you know anybody that's able, that's positioned, that's ready to take my flock of people and take them on? Another ministry this week. No one to transition. Hear me. It's not enough to say I'm called. It's not enough to feel the call. There has to be the willingness to be developed. And can I tell you, some of these physically fit people can tell you this. I have seasons of being physically fit. I don't live there, dwell there. I like my tamales too much. But those that live there will tell you that some days you don't really want to go do a leg workout. Someday you'll do everything in the world to talk yourself out of it. But you know, I can't do that. I got to do it. It's great discipline. And I admire that. But it takes the same discipline in our walk of faith. Even when it don't seem appealing and exciting. But if we'll let God develop us, can I tell you, we can change a world. We can bring revival to a nation. We can have a spark in this Whitewater Valley that begins to transcend far beyond. Listen. I believe there's something very unique about the Whitewater Valley. Many things has been spoken about it. And the reason that I, and in my study over the last several weeks, I've realized the reason that we've not saw some things come to fruition yet is because of the simple fact we have failed to teach people the process of becoming the leaders that God is calling them to be. And that's why I'm doing this teaching a little bit different this the, the last few weeks. I got to tell you something today. You're gifted. You're called. You're more than capable. But you got to have the spiritual equipping. Doesn't matter what we've been through, we've all went through stuff, but can I tell you, we can't let our stuff of yesterday keep us from in what God's ordaining us to be in the present. And the only way we're going to get beyond that stuff of yesterday is to get back to a place where we have a worship encounter. Because when you get in His presence, healing comes, deliverance comes. Hope is restored. Dreams began to be birthed again. So my question is, is there anybody that desires to be in his presence? Here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm just going to call us to an old-fashioned time of prayer before we leave today. You can stand. You can kneel. But right now, I'm telling you, there is men and women under the sound of my voice that God has a plan for your life to help lead this generation into the place of promise that has been spoken concerning it. And can I tell you, there is such prophetic acceleration right now that we better wake up because our redemption draws nigh. So the question is, 
Will we complete the process of training? Will we allow the Holy Spirit? I must say this this morning. Jesus himself said, it's expedient that I go away, that the Father will send he, the Holy Ghost, that he would come and he would, yes, empower you, yes, equip you, but he would teach you and lead you into all things, show you things that was, is, and things to come. It's a worship encounter. Right now, we got to get beyond a two-second, three-second prayer and begin to say, God, I know i got a lot of stuff on my plate, but nothing's more important than you, so God, I'm just going to stay in your presence. Sometimes I don't have anything to say. Believe that or not. Sometimes I don't have anything to say. But sometimes I come in this house and I just sit down and I say, God, I'm just sitting here with you. And Lord, if you want to talk to me, I'm listening. But I just need to sit in your presence. And can I tell you, I felt his arms of love. I felt his presence. And I felt the loads that I carried be lifted. So this morning, maybe you're heavy. Maybe you're hurting. But maybe you're sitting here as well and you're still full of passion in the midst of all of that. Please hear this preacher this morning. God just wants to take you and put you in his tabernacle. And he's just telling you, just dwell here for a while. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I feel like I'm speaking specifically to a few people today. God just saying, just come and dwell in my presence because I'm going to teach you something. Joshua, I know you've known it and you've seen it. You've seen it from afar. But Joshua, you've never seen it in this way before. I'm going to let you see up close and personal what a face-to-face experience with me is. And oh, how it impacted his life. But maybe today, God just simply saying, I want to reposition you. If that's you this morning. Right now, as they just begin the ministry song, I'm going to just call us to a place of worship around this altar. You can stand, you can kneel, but I'm just going to ask you to come right now. If this, if this message has touched your heart, pricked your heart in any way, shape, or form this morning, I want you to come. Can we just worship on the Lord this morning for a few moments before we leave? Oh, can we just call out to him, lift our voice, lift our hands, and say, oh God, we love you. Oh God, we love you today. Oh, we love you today, Lord. Hey, everybody. It's Pastor Jay here. I just want to thank you for watching. I hope that this message challenged and changed your life with the power of the Holy Ghost. We ask that you continue following us and watching us weekly. And if you want to follow us on any social media platform, you'll find the link to all those platforms in the description below. We love you. So does God. Have a great day.